Welcome to Fighting Utter Nothingness, Zen Quote Notes. My reactive interpretations of random Zen quotations. My name is Mark Gilliland. Thank you for joining us today. I hope your brains are feeling solid and well prepared for the noise. Today I'm joined by my friend Peggy Johnson. She teaches mindfulness lessons to teens. She's a writer, an artist, and one of my best friends for the past 27 years. Hi, Peggy. Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. As this is our very first interview, um, it's going to be interesting. I, I fully expect that it's going to be weird and strange <laughs> and awkward, but, you know. I'm on board. Exactly. We're used to being strange and awkward in front of each other, so the only difference is that we're recording it. To start off, I'd like to begin with a Zen quote, and I picked one which is an Ojibwe saying, and it is, sometimes I go about in pity for myself, and all the while a great wind is bearing me across the sky. And I really feel a connection to this because I spend a lot of time in pity for myself while I'm being bored across <laughs> a great sky by a giant wind that's pushing me along, whether I know it or not. And it's difficult to get past that pitying place, as it were, and allow myself to be gently guided by the winds of fate that are sharing my space, as it were. Right. Or also to even notice that you're being born across the sky, right? Well, that's the whole thing. It's the ability to separate our pity from our fate. Ah, it's about fate. That's how I see the great wind pushing us across the sky. Everything that happens to us, all the people, all the things, all the situations that we're in. And what we've got to be able to do is to see this pity inside of ourselves that's keeping ourselves from moving with the wind. Oh. Yeah, I can see how fate ties into that. I was thinking like of it as being like this great energy or force that's like pushing us to where we're supposed to be going, the things that are good for us, um, but we don't notice it because we're too busy looking at whatever we don't have. Or, and know. it's hard to see it as pity as well. I like the fact that they bring it up as that being the opposite state per se, because, you know, it's easy to believe that fate is working against you. But the central core of that resistance is the feeling that you're being hard done by. Yeah, that is actually interesting. I didn't re think of it that way. The pity being the opposite of this great, beautiful force. Exactly. The thing that's keeping it from you is pity. Like I would have thought fear or but that's pretty specific. Well, that's it. I mean, it's how you present your being treated by this situation. Whereas if you can alleviate this feeling of being hard done by, it's much easier to accept what's going on in your life. Oh, right. So what, do, what would you, what do you think the antidote for self-pity is then if there was like an energy to tap into that would counter that? Well, it starts with consciousness. I mean, it's the ability to separate your fate from your perception of being hard done by. 
the difficulty that you feel people are imposing upon you or how you feel fate is treating you. Fate. Yeah, I can see how consciousness immediately raises you up to awareness. So you can actually see that you're not this victim. Yeah, I mean, exactly. As soon as you become conscious, you, you kind of know better. A deeper, a deeper part of you knows that it's an illusion. Right, exactly. I like the idea that it's talking about the wind because it's such a, um, a transient state. It's such an ephemeral existence in our lives. It's like this background ambient pressure upon ourselves that we don't actually connect to as being a force of our guidance, as it were. Whereas the pity is something that happens deeply inside of ourselves and is driving us along almost as ephemerally. Oh, that's interesting. I was almost reading it as as opposite. So thinking of wind beneath my wings, wind is something that we associate with moving us, whereas pity is self-pity is something that would definitely keep us stuck. It would definitely keep us from doing... It's, it's the opposite of action. Yeah. It's like, oh, poor me, I can't do anything. It happened to me. So you're literally stuck. Right. As opposed to this great wind or this force or this fate. Because what, when we're in self-pity, we are hyper-focused on what's wrong. Right. Because when we're pitying, we are feeling pitiable because we are feeling that we are being hard done by. Oh, well, that's an interesting point, too. It's self-pity... Uh, I think a side of that would be thinking if other people saw our stories, they'd agree with me. They'd feel sorry for me, too. But when you said pitiable, that means other people would pity me. I'm pitiable. That's the saddest part of pity, as it were, the fact that it's something that you do feel for yourself. But once you've believed, once you've started to believe yourself to be pitiable, then you believe it's something that is happening to you even though it is something that you associate with yourself. Yeah. And the ironic thing, of course, is that it's happening for you. It's about finding a balance between pity and the wind, as it were, and the wind being a metaphor for opportunities that are you're being given Yeah. at all times. And effectively, if you can see your pity as being as ephemeral as the wind, as being this almost non-existent force that's not doing you any benefit, then you can recognize it as something you can let go. You can, right. You, you see it just as a perspective. Which, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's not real. Um, my life coach used to say, um, if you ever look back, like think of something you were so afraid to do, whether it's jump out of a plane, whatever you know, major moment of fear that you had. A good time to be able to fly. <laughs> yeah, because if you, you, you went through it. He goes, and if you ever turn around and look at it, at something you just went through, there's nothing there. You realize every time you go through fear that there was nothing there. There was nothing keeping you really from doing anything. Right. The fear is, what, false evidence appearing real. It's ephemeral, like you said. You can see, once you can see right through it, self-pity, fear, um, then you literally rise above it. You're able to, I think you said earlier about... You can actually see the wind. You can see all these opportunities that can lift you out. You can see all these positive things. Right. Once you stop focusing on the negative things. I heard a theory that we have an exit day. We yeah. all have this exit day and it's actually set down. These are the same sort of theories that talk about past lives and that kind of thing, whether you believe in them or not. That reinforced what I think about fate, which is it's just unstoppable. It's it's not ethereal. I feel like it's a force from the universe that's constantly trying to push you towards what's 
what you're here for. Right. For what you're meant to be, your full expression of yourself. And all of the issues that we kind of have, our fate kind of is pushing you. And you can resist all you want. It'll just throw another one at you of the same thing. That's why I tend to have the same problem over and over again until we learn learn it, right? Right. So I, I feel like basically if we're thinking about this, the it's resistance. Right. It's the resistance to the fate that becomes the problem. Mm. Because once you see a problem, I don't know how many problems we have that 100% of the time afterwards we see the good that it brought into our life. Right. But until you've been willing to trust this non-visible beneficence that is guiding your life, then you can't really partake in it. You're always going to resist the effects, the opportunities that you're given until you could actually start to get over yourself, to get over your doubt. Um, Because if I was a bird learning to fly... And if I had my consciousness, I would not trust the wind to support me. But you have mother birds kicking their birds out of the nest to teach them to trust the wind. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's like a major transition point that we're talking about where you go from pity or a low a low vibration, a low energy to right. a high one. And so what does that break? It's recognizing that you're here. And then you can see, I could be here. And when you're in your most pitying state, that's usually when your trust for everything else in the world is at its lowest. Because if anything, you're looking for sympathy more so than expecting support. When you're pitying yourself, that's when you expect the least support from the world. As it were, you expect nobody is supporting you. You think you're being hard done by. So there is nothing that is buoying you, that is giving you this ability to move forward to fly to exist in a positive fashion accepting (laughs) what's going on around you because you only expect the world to be a reflection of this pity that you're seeking a reflection of once you start to seriously feel it inside of yourself right so i'm thinking that if you so you know back to the agenda if there's a a, this this force in the sky there's this wind in the sky that's trying to move you somewhere and, and let you have like the best life possible um, when you don't focus on that, when you're not in alignment with that, you are pushed. The universe sends harder and harder lessons at yeah. you. Um, so it could be you could you kind of have a moment here where you can choose. Um, this is the bad stuff happening to me. Right. Um, I've done something wrong. I don't deserve the life I want. Um, or you can look at it and go, oh shit, this is a wake up call. I <laughs> need to go in a new direction. Yeah. Yeah. But it's only after you can get beyond yourself, beyond your doubt, beyond your continually maintained sadness towards everything that's happening supposedly to you that you can actually start using these forces in your life and actually find the buoyancy amidst them and take the rocks off your feet and suddenly recognize that you have these opportunities that pity is keeping you from taking part of. Yes. Uh, And I think even that quote kind of pinpoints the moment. There's a moment where you actually see it's a possibility to look at things differently. Because if you don't know, you just don't know. You you stay looking going, I have all the facts. (laughs) This went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong. And um, my car broke down, whatever. Uh, I failed at this. All these, all this evidence that we have compiled to feel 
like it feels very real. It doesn't feel like I'm having a pity party. It feels <laughs> like hey, I've got the evidence. Okay, I can see these things. So at some point, a moment where we actually rethink and go, wait, are these actually problems? Or is right. this an opportunity? There's a moment. And when I think in the quote, they say, uh, you know, you're in the pity party, but above you, this is happening. And it's this moment of realization when you look up and go, oh, my God. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I like that, how just you're always looking down when you're in pity. But as such, once you've stopped pitying yourself, you can look up. Then you can what, look up. And yes, see so what's that's going what I was on. trying to figure out. Where where does that magic happen? Where's the moment that you can... I mean, the quote, a quote like that actually helps us go, wait. Well, it gives us a spectrum of our perceived reality. Right. And Another it, perspective. Yeah. Once we've gotten outside of ourselves, we recognize that there are as many opportunities outside as in. That give us the power of moving forward in our lives once we've learned how to accept them, once we've learned how to partake in this force that's giving us this motivation, giving us guidance and opportunities, as long as we are not trapped in our own self-serving sense of sadness. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a quote that goes around, um, or maybe it's a mantra or an affirmation, where you're like, um, things aren't happening to me, they're happening for me. So we're really breaking apart something working, a wind working against us or a wind working for us. Exactly. And to be able to tell the difference between those winds, we have to get out of this sense of being hard done by, of things being against us. And that's the difficulty because it's all perception. It's all perspective as to what we're able to get beyond and how little of a motivation we need to lift to become more than our previous saddened state was keeping us. Yeah. Now keeping us is like key. What what is keeping us there? And I I I I think it's um if you don't know better, you don't you can't do better. You literally don't know, and you can't change what you don't know. Right. So when you, when you are in pity, you're kind of fixed there because you don't know that there is an alternative. Right. So you you can't know what you don't know so at some point the universe has to tap us or something has to come into our life where we hear it and i find that moment interesting where we've heard i've heard um you know raising your self-worth self-confidence is all about um loving yourself right i heard that when i was a kid i didn't get that like (laughs) i i heard it when i was a teenager i heard it when when i was in my 20s and i was like look in the mirror and say i love you (laughs) sounded ridiculously (laughs) stupid to me and and you know that's I don't personally think that's what self-love is. I think self-love is um, literally starting to do things for yourself that right. you like to do. That's it. Uh, that that's it. And, and then that's suddenly, the thing. yeah, it it raises you. But until, like, I was told those same words, and I didn't get it until a certain point when I got it. Oh, like really like myself enough to go do the things that I want to do. Well, that's it. I mean, that's when you can actually see that you have the choice to give yourself this this option this option of accepting this option option of loving of being happy with what you have a moment of choice because if you're waiting for a stronger wind to take you out of this mired state of angst 
then you'll be waiting forever. You can't yeah. wait for the outside in. You can't wait for something as as thin as the wind to pull your mind out of itself. And it's right. only once you start, like you were saying, seeing what you like, seeing what is a benefit in your life, that you can actually start to partake in it. And nobody can make you do that. No, and and now I think I'm seeing the final final part for for my curiosity of how to how to get out of self pity literally comes to being still enough to hear what you, and that's why meditation works for a lot of people or just quiet. Uh, if you can get still and stay with yourself, if you can find out where these uncomfortable feelings are coming from, you kind of follow that thread. So like, what is the self pity? Um, that's the only time that you can see that there's a, there's another possibility. So I was wondering if it's maybe a quote comes through and finally catches your ear. But it, I do think it's just really, like you said, pointing inwards and noticing these feelings. Right. You can't do anything about self-pity until you recognize that you have it. Right. And when we're self-pitying, we don't think we're self-pitying. <laughs> That's it. It's just normal. It's the way it's it like, is. No, it's an external force. Yeah. It's, it's something happening to us. And the, the for us is, I guess, when we go inside and we're just like, I don't like this feeling. I'm going to stay with it long enough to find out where it's coming from. Right. That's why a lot of stuff comes up when you get quiet, when you meditate. That's why that's so effective for raising your consciousness. Exactly. Self-awareness. That's it. It's it's all about becoming more transparent to yourself so that yeah. you can partake of these subtle forces in your life that are giving you the answers that you need as opposed to getting locked in these narratives in our mind that keep us from being light enough to be born by these influences that are constantly giving themselves to us, that are constantly offering us their support. But until you can believe that you are being supported by something that you can't see, then it's difficult to get beyond your own inner narrative. Yeah. That, that That's another thing I heard from my life coach many, many years ago was he gave me the example. He was talking about the universe working for me, and I thought, mm, I guess in some grand scheme, sure. He said, no, like if, you know, what if you were a, a painter? You want to be a painter, but you're not you're not doing that. You're, you know, doing an office job or something that you're not doing. He said then things will work against you. You're going to have, you know, toxic workplace. You're going to have, like, all, all of these issues that make it feel impossible to even paint. But were you to make that choice, um, immediately the universe is standing there with paintbrushes. Right. Opportunities just start popping out like popcorn once you start making the right choice, once you start looking up from that um, trap. Right. Yeah. And I like the way that you turn it into the universe, from the wind because that's kind of what this metaphor is giving us in as it were um, because the wind is everywhere it is everything it is constantly around us and it's invisible it's it's light it's delicate and it's easy to ignore and take for granted as it were but once you start putting the context of the wind being a metaphor for the universe that suddenly includes everything, which is too much to 
to fathom. Yeah. Fathom yeah. once you are faced with it. Because if you're told that fate is doing this thing for you, that's giving you this support, that's supporting you this whole time. You go, while it's hitting you in the face. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, while you perceive it as hitting you in the face, then you can't believe that. You need some solid reality to be able to contextualize this, this the F word, the big F word, fate, as it were, <laughs> as being something that's real, as being an actual substance, as being an actual solid force. And once you call it the wind, that suddenly gives you the cognitive recognition that there is something that's constantly around me, that's constantly giving me air and constantly moving if I were sensitive enough to be guided, to be able to see it, to be able to understand that there's a reason for everything happening. There's a reason the wind blows. But once you start thinking of it as this grand concept of an intangible nature like fate or the universe, it becomes too big. Right. Okay, this is kind of like a double story here, but... Um, Uh-oh. I watched, uh, rewatched Enlightenment with uh, Laura Dern recently, right. and she she comes back from this month long retreat where she learns mindfulness and meditation, and she just like she went from like a breakdown at, at an office job, like, uh, and and went there. She came back feeling like everything was solved, and she's talking to her ex husband. She said, "Well, there was a moment while I was underwater swimming, and." I saw the sea turtle just floated by and there was like the this 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 moment where it was like God was talking to me and yeah. this voice said, All of this is for you. All of this is for you and she goes, Even the problems, everything I've ever happened to me, this is what I believe. And and when my life coach gave me the metaphor of um the universe is waiting there with paintbrushes, he said, It's it's like a an unconditionally loving parent who just totally wants you to have what you want, what you're supposed to have. Right. So I'm starting to think that it's it's love. Only a loving force would give us, like, death, the death of a loved one. It would give us abuse. Allow it, I shouldn't say give. But right. these are our experiences. These experiences teach us and, and move us closer and closer. Even sometimes a lot of people don't realize until they're, you know, um, given a cancer diagnosis. Right. And then they suddenly go... Oh shit! <laughs> I, what is my life here? What I only have this much time to do something, but it's it's love. It has to be a force that's so strong and and pervasive through everything. Mm. And that's also the moment where you choose love over fear. Like right. There's two states. I, I believe that that there's just fear or love, and everything fits into those two categories: our perspective, um, our our energy, our states. Um, so what is this great? wind of fate that's blowing us and that's, I, that's just wondering if what you think about it being a force of an energetic force of love it's our ability to see everything as being connected as it were to be able to see all the things that are happening all the things that we're feeling all the things we're doing as being connected as being part of this unified whole as opposed to separate circumstances that each have their own agenda or each are treating me or making me feel a separate way and then bisecting them and saying that they're actually getting in our way and they're making us feel bad or they're making us do the wrong thing and we've got to get around them, we've got to get past them, we've got to ignore them, we've got to fight them. 
when in reality it's all connected. It's all part of this unified reality that we're part of, but until we can actually recognize that it is a unified force a larger whole a larger whole we're not able to feel them all working together to guide us to where we're going or where we need to go so now i'm seeing a parallel between your um individuality you know becoming focused on being this individual that things are happening to as part of this greater whole. I, I love this concept. It's not just your wind that's blowing mm. above you. It's not just your life and your fate, but it is the fate of all. That's it. You know, tapping into, you know, raising yourself up and tapping into that connectedness, that love, that whole. Right. And when you were referring to water before, it made me remember that fish story, as it were, you know, that fish story, um, where basically one fish comes up to another fish and says wow the water's really warm today and the other fish goes what's water (laughs) we can't see this thing we can't see what's happening to ourselves wonderful Uh, i I love um elemental um connection that's it you know because you can't have the earth without the air without the water and that's it and it's such it's pointing out pity as being a limiting internal force element as Stuck it were on the ground, yeah. but Not in reality everything that much as the wind is an element our emotions are an element our lives are an element it's elemental and until we can actually start to see it as a force we can't utilize it we're bisected from our ability to engage in this unified reality that is always open to us it's always there for us if we can be able to see everything together as being part of the same elemental force that's giving us our choices our opportunity our impetus yes i'm i'm getting stuck on a little metaphor that popped into my head you can bring it you can cut this out (laughs) no cutting but i was just going back to your your story of the fish was how we look down at water and i and you know, oh my God, I'm a little afraid of water. I'm scared to go in. I'm not a great swimmer. There's <laughs> a fish looking up at the air going, I'm not going in there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. You know, we, we, we can't trust this greater substance. We can't perceive. We can't let ourselves be part of this capital F fate until we can recognize that it is unified. It is something that we are already part of. Already part of. We're just resisting. We're back to, it's actually just resistance and acceptance. It's like pity separates ourselves from our elemental inclusion with reality. Yeah. That's it. That's That's it. it. Yeah. Recognizing that. Recognizing the pity and then you can get out of it. That's it. Now and I'm we thinking can, mud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once a we, pig in mud, yeah. Once we can let go of our, our muddy feet, as it were, our feeling stuck in these circumstances that are only a smaller part of our perceived reality, then we can perceive a greater choice that we have to allow ourselves to become part of the wind, become part of our reality that is already there. That's elemental. Right. Well, now I'm thinking again, when I was thinking of the pig in mud, there's a little quality to it that we didn't discuss 
uh, self-pity, we actually, there's a pleasure being there. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Well, that's <laughs> it. That, exactly. And that makes you even more stuck, right? That's like, what makes pity so so sad and enjoyable at the same time. <laughs> the fact that we're always wallowing around in this filth that we can perceive and covering we're ourselves. We're unaware of thinking it's comfortable. We think that people have put us in this mud pit, as it were, when in reality, we were keeping ourselves there because it feels good to feel hard done by sometimes. It's hard right. to trust. It's hard to let trust. go of feeling that we have had a choice this whole time. Yes. And, that, and that's what I'm thinking now. When you, when you, I see how trust really falls into this because 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 it's comfortable, because it's familiar, um, and, and because, you know, we pick these things up from our parents, it's long-term conditioning. Right. Um, there's a certain pleasure in it because we get to, like, let go of responsibility. We don't have to do the hard thing. We don't have to get up and do the hard work or the right. introspection. We can just stay there feeling sorry for ourselves. That's it. And other people reaffirm that and all of that. Um, and then um, you, the other side is that, oh, wait, what did you just say? Words. <laughs> yeah, well, there was the being stuck because it was pleasurable, but then the other thing about raising yourself up, it takes a few tries. Trust, that's trust. It was right. trust. So that's where trust comes in is you have to leave the pleasure and trust. Like those are two difficult things. That's right. Leaving the comfortable and knowing that the uncomfortable is where you're supposed to go. Yeah. So that takes trust. That's how the two go together. So we're talking about comfort and, and going out of comfort and into discomfort on on trust. Right. And something, having the difficult lives that most of us have, you know, challenging. It's, there's challenges out there. Right. Um, it's a leap of faith. That's it. It's easy to trust pity because... It's a causality it that's looks real. It looks real. It is. It's it's easier to believe that your fate has been chosen for you in this way than it is to create your own fate, to be able to take chances and give yourself the trust that the world isn't a horrible place. But if we were raised by people who that's it in a nutshell. were yeah. subsumed by this state of Look martyrdom... Then we are always going to be partaking of it because it's reliable. It's easier to blame other people for your negative situations than it is to realize that it's something that, no matter what your external situation, it's something you have to find trust in. It's something you have to move beyond. Wow. Trust and love. Um, so I'm thinking you kind of like nailed it there. When like I, I said earlier, I kind of summed that quote up as in "look up," but it's look up. The world isn't such a bad place. It the world it isn't such a bad place. Isn't such a bad place. That possibility. It's just changing our perspective and learning a new belief system yes. in things that we can't as readily see, and realize that. It's only through our integration with this unperceivable substance that we can become free of what it was that we believed was holding us back before. We have to find a new way to fly. We have to find exactly. a new way to trust, to love, to accept that the world isn't doing this to us. It isn't taking our opportunities away from us, but it is 
giving us as many opportunity chances as it is giving us pity chances. Absolutely. It's always available. It's always there. It's just up to us to take steps to realize it. Um, so and I, that's why I go back to your first answer, which surprised me, but it just has, it has been solid all the way through, is raising consciousness, raising your perspective. From a pig in the mud, like looking at earth level, um, at all the problems, the mud all around you, to up to a bird's view, flying across the sky. And recognizing that we are both bird and pig. Yeah, it's our choice. That's it. So choose whether to be a bird or a pig, my friends. Once again, to give you the quote, Sometimes I go about in pity for myself, and all the while, a great wind is bearing me across the sky. And that's an Ojibwa saying. Thank you for joining me for Zen Quotes Notes, Peg. I hope we will get to talk further. I have no doubt, seeing as you have no choice. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is really fun. This has been Zen Quote Notes, my friends. Enjoy your lives and find ways to fly. Have a great day. for listening. If you could throw me a follow, I'd greatly appreciate it. And leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. For more stuff that I make, go to fightingundernothingness.com.